Stat Media Group, delivering logistics news since 1986. Hello and welcome to Cargo Masterminds presented by Cargo One. My name is Reggie John. This is our weekly episode where we bring leaders from global logistic companies for a one-to-one conversation. In 2020, amidst a severe global pandemic, Lufthansa Cargo recorded the best financial performance in its history with a turnover of 2.8 billion euros and 6.5 billion revenue ton kilometers. Lufthansa Cargo is one of the world's leading companies in the transport of freight by air. The cargo carrier serves around 300 destinations in more than 100 countries with its own fleet of freighters. The belly capacities of passenger aircraft operated by Lufthansa German Airlines, Austrian Airlines, Brussels Airlines, Eurowings, and Sun Express, and an extensive rod feeder service network. The bulk of the cargo business is routed through Frankfurt Airport. My guest today is Dorothea von Boxberg, the Chief Executive Officer of Lufthansa Cargo. She is also the Chairperson of the Lufthansa Cargo Executive Board. Her appointment to the current roles was announced in November 2020, and she took charge on the 1st of March this year. Her responsibilities include business development, corporations, legal affairs, communications, corporate responsibility, information management, digital transformation, as well as finance and controlling. That's a lot of responsibilities. Dorothea, welcome to Cargo Masterminds. We are delighted to have you here. Thank you, Reggie. Uh, Dorothy, in November 2020, as I said in the introduction, it was announced that you would become the CEO of Lufthansa Cargo following footsteps of Peter Gerber, effective March 2021. What was the brief to you then and what are some of your top priorities for the cargo carrier? Yeah, so that was very much in the midst of the pandemic. So a lot of focus was, of course, getting the cargo business right in these days when the passenger planes were still so much on the ground. So I think that was a very clear a message from the start, uh, keep it going the way it started in the pandemic. And uh, then, of course, on a more long-term perspective, digitalization is a very important topic and sustainability as well. So so that are definitely topics I was kind of thinking and working, uh, thinking about and working on from the start. Dorothy, it has been four months into your current role. Uh, I always think that a self-assessment is always the best assessment. Uh, how do you assess yourself and what are the, some of the high points uh, since March 2020? Well, I think what is quite astonishing is how well the market is still going. So you would expect a summer dip and it doesn't really come. So that's commercially a very good start into the new role. But in terms of my own self-assessment, it's been talking with many people. So I've spoken to lots of people in our organization, but also to many customers to really see where should we bring uh, our business forward? What is is it that customers expect? What is it that my colleagues uh, have in their minds how we should develop? And that's uh, gradually forming to a picture to then uh, have a new strategy for Lufthansa Cargo. You know, for 2020, you had the best financial performance in the history of uh, Lufthansa Cargo, largely because of the elevated yields optimum utilization of your assets and better lot factors, even though there was uh, 
a very sharp decline in FTKs and capacity. We are halfway through the 2021, the peak season is ahead and therefore, what is your reading of the current market condition and how do you how do you think that you will close 2021? The market is always offer and demand, you know. On the offer side, we have less to offer as an industry than we would have thought. So there are still many long-haul aircraft on the ground. And, and that is because the borders are still closed or most borders are still closed for most passengers. And um, so that's why uh, cargo um, capacity is still scarce. And, and that's, of course, having an impact on load factors and prices. Uh, on the demand side, at the same time, I think demand is fairly strong. It's above 2019 levels already. A number of industries really have a high demand. So, for example, pharma industry, as we all know, and automotive um, or e-commerce. So there are also a number of industries that have particularly high demands. Or if you think of the shortage in uh, microchips, I would expect in the second half of the year, many of those to fly rather than to go uh, via sea freight. Uh, so I think on the demand side, um, it looks rather positive. But then we all know that uh, prognosis in air freight are always a little bit crystal ball reading. You know, from what you observe currently, how optimistic are you about the return of the wide body, long haul passenger traffic? Uh, which is a big advantage for cargo carriers like Lufthansa take advantage of the belly capacity? That's very true. So usually we have uh, half of our capacity on long haul bellies of Lufthansa, Brussels Airlines, Austrian, and um, we're dearly missing that right now. So, well, whether and when it comes back depends a lot on opened borders. And uh, we are fairly optimistic that on the transatlantic, we'll see an opening in the next few months. Um, into Asia, it looks like it would take some more time. But I think it's now gradually opening. And what we also see is that there are more uh, planes already in the air. So, for example, from the US into the EU, um, borders are open. That's already helped get some more capacity into the air on the transatlantic. And um, yeah, it's, it's probably not a big bang thing, but it's more this gradual increase in capacity that we're very much looking forward to. Uh, with air freight capacity still under stress, uh, what is your reliance on the so-called freighters or the pass cargo-only passenger flights uh, now to meet uh, customer demands? Are you relying much on, on freighters even now? We still fly some but it's not huge quantities. I think that's partially due to the fact that we um, have uh, don't have triple sevens on the passenger side. And I think they would be the ideal aircraft uh, for cargo only passenger flights. And um, it's partially due to other capacity getting back into the air. So uh, our passenger colleagues sometimes joke around that they really fly it for us and not for them. But uh, that uh, so, so we get more capacity from the passenger side. And, and, and that's kind of the alternative to, to having more of those freighters in the air. With the supply demand mismatch in the air freight market, which has been there for, I now think it's been about 16, 17, 18 months. Uh, how strong is the trend of shippers and freight forwarders locking to get long-term committed main deck freighter capacity with carriers? Is that something that you notice? Is that something that happening with Lufthansa Cargo and with your customers? We've seen it with quite a few forwarders that they were doing long-term contracts, uh, like full charters or uh, big allotments. And um but, but the point in that is, of course, of uh, getting a very good price and, and, and uh, then earning more on that. And so I think uh, the later we get in this pandemic state, the less it will be happening, because at some point, of course, prices will drop. And I would imagine that most forwarders don't want to take a real capacity risk uh, where they then rather pay than get benefits from, from that uh, fixed capacity. So I think it was 
a very clever move early in the pandemic when you saw that capacity was really getting out of the market. But now I think the market has a lot more stabilized. I mean, carriers know what the market prices are. Uh, forwarders also know what their real requirements are and how to fly them. So so I think uh, it's it's getting less. That would be my prediction. Uh, but I haven't seen all the contracts, of course. If the return of the long-haul passenger traffic is slow or slower than what you expect and the oil prices continues to remain at the current levels about $74 per barrel, $75 per barrel, and yields are not at such elevated levels as we have seen in 2020, but demand is very strong, what will be your options to continue cargo-only passenger flights or freighters uh, to ensure system-relevant supply chains to your customers? Well, in the end, uh, the valve will always be the price. So if it's really uh, necessary to fly something, then the price will allow, uh, despite higher fuel prices, to, to fly those flights. And um, so, so that's kind of the good news. Yeah, There is no hard end of capacity. So there are so many aircraft on the ground still worldwide that, that any shipper will always find capacity to fly but sometimes it may, it may be at a price uh, that is not very attractive. Let's come to uh, your fleet modernization, the availability of uh, freighter capacity, availability or access to either a production freighter or uh, converter freighters. Today, you have also a scenario where new cargo airlines are starting with uh, what they call the so-called freighters. Uh, tell us about your fleet modernization, bringing in brand new B777 production freighters and the retirement of your entire MT-11 freighter fleet. Uh, when do you expect to have a single freighter aircraft type in your fleet? Now, I actually prepared this question at it on the day, um, on that same day, even you actually announced that you would actually have uh, two narrow body uh, A321 freighters putting into effect maybe next year. Tell us about your fleet modernization and uh, what do you, when do you expect to have your entire uh, MD-11 out of your system? Well, um, that's, of course, a very exciting uh, topic for us, and it's something that we've been working on for years. So having a fleet rollover really is a big thing for a cargo carrier because those aircraft are such heavy investment, uh, well, things, if you want. And, uh, well, it's uh, now in the uh, second half of the year that uh, our last MD-11s will go out of the fleet. Right now, we only have two left, so that's not very much. And at the same time, we get additional 777 freighters, as you just mentioned. So we're getting to a total fleet of 15, um, also now in the second half of the year. So um, that's uh, commercially a very good thing to do, because having two fleets that are fairly small is not the most efficient way to operate. And of course, um, the 777 is also the much more modern aircraft, uh, which helps save fuel, which is a lot better for the carbon footprint. But um, it's also in terms of the number of uh, frequencies we have a big change because uh, having now 100 uh, static tons rather than 70 makes, of course, a big difference um, per flight and uh, in, in, on the flight schedules as well. But that's been a gradual transition because as we got more and more 777, so there's nothing dramatic now happening. Uh, it's just the end of a journey, if you want. And um, well, with the short haul aircraft, um, that is really something completely new for us. We see that um, there are quite a few aircraft within Europe flying freight, but that was always traditionally for integrators and postal companies. And we now see that e-commerce is really also asking for capacity. And that's where we want to also enter that market and participate in that opportunity to see who are the customers uh, that have these um, high same-day requirements um, within Europe 
and and that would like to fly with us and yeah it's starting very early next year so january i think and uh, we're very much interested in in getting to know that market better and and uh, find good solutions for our customers there as well okay, let me understand i think uh, uh, the speed of delivery and the and the customer demand for faster delivery of shipment uh, uh, within Europe, uh, there has been a lot of reliance on road, road network. I think Europe has the excellent road network to deliver anywhere in Europe overnight. But you are now looking at uh, converting a lot of those shipments, which is going by by road into in into air freight, so that you are able to respond to customer demands much faster. Is that the right reading of uh, the purpose of uh, having this narrow body freighter in your fleet? Well, you're absolutely right. So yes, it's true. There's a good uh, road network in Europe, but there are also some distances that are quite long. So um, for example, if you take Germany to Spain, um, that's more like 30 hours or more on a truck. Uh, and of course you can just fly in within two hours. So um, so it's really those more long distances or wherever you've got some uh, water in between. So uh, to the UK, to the Nordics, also, it could go down to Istanbul or Cairo if you like think around the 360 degree around Frankfurt. Uh, so there are uh, quite a few places where you don't get uh, within a day with a truck. And this is the the decision is to have uh, two freighters, narrow body freighters uh, by early next year. Uh, is there a plan to add more? Well, of course, we've got plans to add more, but uh, we have nothing to announce around that yet. Let me connect this question to another question that is already in, in, in my list. That is about your product verticals and e-commerce becoming a very strong and, uh, mm -hmm. and the pandemic has only accelerated the proliferation of the cross-border e-commerce transactions and e-retail. And that's where uh, for air freight, that's where the, the big volume that comes in now. What is your bet on this product and product vertical, particularly when you have an wholly owned subsidiary called Hayworld? to enable cross-border e-commerce logistics. So will there be a lot more of emphasis on this particular subsidiary that you have? Well, when we saw that e-commerce is growing so strongly, and I think everybody has seen that. So it's really 20% annual growth rate uh, in cross-border e-commerce. So it's, it's something I think that all air freight carriers have an interest in because it's one of the largest uh, or highest growing segments. And um, when we thought about should we introduce an e-commerce product or how exactly do we tackle the market, we saw that it's not likely to work well if we just do it as a product in our own organization because uh, the requirements are just so different. So it's really this, uh, I need this 99% uh, plus uh, reliability um, I also want to have uh, a much higher visibility also on peace level. So many things um, that customers ask for uh, that other customers might also like, but uh, that are really not required for standard air freight and that are not paid for in, at standard air freight. And so um, having this done by Hey World, our subsidiary was really saying we need a group of people that really focus on just these features and make sure they really get it right whereas we cannot do it for all of our cargo and 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 if you then have kind of a large chunk uh, of your production going one way and a small chunk going another way we felt it was better to have that in a separate company and hayworld is really doing a great job in achieving these um, requirements for our customers and so yeah i do expect a good future for them and and growth and of course they will also sell part of the uh, network that we would have now in the on the intra-european 
uh, freighters and they are already working with some of the customers uh, that might be interested in that. Let me also get it correct. Uh, so you would expect to have uh, these two freighters having commercial operations starting in the summer of 2022 or the peak season of 2022 or the fourth quarter? No, they already start early 2022. So it's really starting from January. And, and then we, how it will really work with which customer, I mean, that's of course all to be said. I mean, it was just announced. So we haven't any contracts signed now with the customers, but we now go out into the market. And these aircraft are leased from, and who is doing the conversion? Well, that's something that we actually don't share, but okay. um, they are leased. Yeah, that's right. I like to come back again into the fleet as well as the availability of production and conversion freighter, because that's a very interesting topic because everyone, everyone wants to uh, order a freighter today and get it delivered yesterday. That's the kind of demand for freighters today. Uh, so uh, you said you would have 15 B777 freighters by the end of this year, and that 15 also includes uh, the freighters that would also join the Aerologic. Is that right? Yes. So we always count it together because uh, we work on the network, we sell them all and so on. So it's uh, two platforms that produce the capacity, if you will, but uh, we consider it all a Lufthansa cargo uh, capacity. One more question on the freighters because uh, B777 is uh, is expected to be um, closing its production by 2027 uh, because of the emission standards. Of course, the, the, the production freighters have a life of 25, 30 years uh, when you look at the availability of production freighters, uh, what would be some of your bet? Because Boeing has been dominating that market. Airbus is now looking at an A350 production freighter on, on that same platform. As, as somebody who is a leader of, an, of Lufthansa Cargo, a serious player in the air freight market, what are some of your thoughts in terms of access to production freighters in the future? Well, I would actually expect that Boeing gets to a new production freighter then. So, I mean, on the passenger side, for example, uh, we've ordered the 777-9X. And so there is more um, innovation coming uh, on that mainframe. And uh, of course, it's very interesting to see whether there are other freighters available. And an A350 would, of course, be also a great option. But I think it's a little bit too early to make your choices because uh, there's not much available around those freighters yet uh, in terms of what are their emissions, what's their weight, uh, all these kinds of questions uh, that we well would like to take into consideration then. Which means that you are basically, uh, you are essentially very closely looking at these availability in the future, maybe 10 years from now, whether it is a 777X, uh, a freighter version, A350 freighter version. So you're open to open to look at various options that are in the market. That's absolutely right. But at the same time, uh, we're really happy to now get to a single fleet. And uh, so we would be very happy to fly a single fleet for a while now. So it's not an easy to de decision when you've got so rather small fleets to go into another fleet type. So wouldn't need to be next year for my uh, understanding. So that brings us to my next uh, important topic, which is also a topic that is very close to Lufthansa Cargo, which is sustainability, for example. Uh, uh, since you assumed the current role, there have been some very significant announcements around sustainability. For example, your partnership with uh, with DB Schenker for CO2 neutral flight connection, partnership B with the BASF and Lufthansa Technique for uh, shock skin technology to reduce the fuel consumption. These are not just vision statements, but concrete commitments that Lufthansa Cargo has made under your leadership. Uh, as the CEO, how would you like to build Lufthansa Cargo for the future? Yeah, so sustainability is a major topic. And I think it's 
not discussed the same way on all continents, but here in Europe, it's a huge discussion. And, and from all that I hear also in the US already, and I think it's starting in Asia, maybe not to quite such a big extent right now. And what my vision is really to be uh, the most efficient air freight carrier. So I would really like to offer my customers uh, the shipment with the lowest carbon footprint. And that's what we're working on. So having pure 777 fleet, of course, is a major step towards that. There is no more efficient long-haul aircraft right now. So that's that's the first point. And having the right aircraft uh, can make a huge difference. So if we look at 25 years back uh, at our DC-10s at the time, that was still double the CO2 footprint per kilo. Uh, and so having the right aircraft makes a big uh, effect. And then the next thing is, of course, how can we still then save uh, kerosene once we've got the right aircraft? And there, Topics like shark skin come in. So that in shark skin helps to reduce drag. So it's supposed to save us about 1% of fuel, which is a lot. And uh, But we work on many other things as well. So be it lightweight containers, being the right uh, approach and descent um, procedures for our pilots. So there are many ways to save additional fuel, but um, it, it's really small things. So it's really this less than 1%. And if it's 1%, I mean, that's fantastic, uh, these kinds of savings. And then you at some point get to an end, then the rest of the kerosene is still there. And um, what we see, uh, the one way to really then get CO2 neutral is uh, with using uh, sustainable aviation fuels. And of course, you can also offset, but offsetting is kind of different, you know, because uh, sustainable aviation fuels means you take the CO2 from the air before flying. So then after the flight, you're back to zero. Um, if you do it uh, with uh, offsetting, then the idea is always that you recapture um, CO2 from the, from the atmosphere within the next 20 years. So already from the time lag perspective, it's, it's really something quite different. And sustainable aviation fuels are very limited in availability today. So there's not much production. All of the production today is biogene, so uh, food waste or crops or, or different ways uh, of getting to those kerosenes. And that's not super scalable. So there's more possible than there is today, but, uh, but it won't fill all aircraft. And that's why um, power to liquid, so a technical innovation to use current and CO2 and water to then get kerosene is the way I think uh, the really scalable amounts of uh, SAF will come from. But that's a long way to go. And that's where we're discussing with the industry uh, and we don't want to become a fuel producer. I mean, that's what we've never been. Uh, so we look for partners in the industry uh, that we can buy from. And of course, we also look uh, for customers that, uh, again, um, help us finance it because uh, it's not the airline industry that can bear that burden. It really, in the end, needs to come from the shippers uh, and the end consumers. And that's what we also need to discuss with um, our customers, the forwarders. You know, uh, it's interesting to note that while you you partner with other companies for uh, sustainable innovation and sustainable uh, future for uh, for Lufthansa Cargo and for the air freight industry, how you contribute to the uh, to sustainable goals of air freight industry and to the world in general. But you also have uh, supported, invested in companies within or under Lufthansa Group, like you have Jetainer and Time Matters and uh, Hayworld and you have Cargo One and many others. Uh, these companies are themselves uh, innovators and in either in the, on the digital transformation side, uh, Jetainer on uh, various technologies reduce the, the weight of uh, containers, for example, you have digital tools to enable the track and traceability of containers. Uh, how do these companies under your leadership, how do they help 
you to to achieve your sustainability goals well we all work on this together so it's it's a big discussion and it's not that we know it all but it's really uh, we're also still at the beginning of that journey so um, there's a big discussion but for example time matters um, very early on had a co2 neutral um, onboard career product uh, that was uh, done with offsetting. So I think um, it's also the subsidiaries that have their own ideas themselves. Um, I think the other area where we really work um, on joint targets is very much around digitalization. So that's also, I mean, it's a topic we've been working on for a long time, but uh, we are nowhere at the end and getting access to our customers uh, with digital sales. So where you really find good products, good uh, booking ways, uh, uh, rebookings, these kinds of things uh, online, but also where the um, shipment data flows are really separated from the physical flow of the shipment and, and you have the data available at customs before the shipment has even um, left the ground at the other country. That's kind of where I think we can do a lot of progress and where we also need to do progress to uh, make sure that the USP of air freight, which is mainly being fast, can really be exploited. I, I really find it astonishing that in this industry, it still takes six days for an average air freight shipment. And that has been the same number for 40 years now. So I think most industries become more efficient and, and productive over time. And we are still so slow. Yeah, so... Um, getting that industry to the modern standards, making sure that we also have uh, digital front ends, digital customer interaction, that we use data uh, much more. Um, and, and you just mentioned the tracking and visibility topic, which is of course a big one. So I think that's also a very big topic uh, we want to work on and we do work on. You know, Lufthansa Gago had been an early adopter of digital transformation tools. And uh, I myself had a chance about a couple of years back in your terminal in Frankfurt, uh, seeing the, uh, the truck arrival and uh, how uh, at different touch points, it, it's absolute contactless. There are no human beings. Basically, there is a flow of information about what is being carried in the in the trucks uh, right through as the as the truck moves at different touch points. Uh, so, in the digital transformation, uh, what would you like to see uh, in the next couple of years? Uh, is the air freight industry will begin to talk more than about e-airway bill and we look at really the transformation in, in much more uh, concrete terms in the in the air freight industry as the shipment move from one from the origin to destination absolutely we need that and it's a lot to do with the interconnectivity between companies because i think each company within their own premises optimize a lot but it's really all about getting the interfaces right and uh, so so what you were just mentioning so if truck drivers don't have to wait anymore if there's no risk of offloading just because the documentation wasn't done right up front um, if you know exactly when you can pick up your freight uh, because you know when it's gone through customs and you don't just let it wait in the uh, import station for another two days uh, just to make sure that you don't uh, come twice. That's all these things where it's really information exchange between companies and processes that are done together um, where, you, where we can so much progress. And just having the e-airway bill as a digital format was never really sexy for anybody in the industry. And that's why it's also taken so long. But when we see that all documents on a, on a shipment are digitized, well, then it gets interesting. Then you can do these things um, where you skip um, the physical documentary um, acceptance and you just send some data 
And that means your trucker doesn't need to go to the documentary office, uh, saves that time and can go right to the ramp. And uh, so it's really a lot of efficiency that we can still get. And it's all about uh, getting companies work together that are part of that value chain. Now, let me come to the last question, and it is about the global pandemic, uh, which exposed the fragility of global supply chains. Uh, and uh, it has proved that global supply chains are actually not built for resilience. Uh, therefore, how do you look at the future of global supply chains, particularly from an air freight perspective? How do you intend to build uh, global supply chain models to address the just-in-case scenario uh, than the traditional just-in-time uh, models? Well, you know, I think uh, the pandemic has brought huge shocks. I mean, demand and offer shocks, but also kind of so many aircraft on the ground. So that capacity was really scarce on the air freight side. Sometimes trucks couldn't got across borders um, because of uh, all kind of quarantine rules. Sea freight was also not in best order. So uh, this has been a year where all the circumstances were really, really difficult. And still, I mean, we haven't had empty shelves all over the place. People could buy most things. And um, so so I would probably disagree that uh, supply chains weren't resilient. I was astonished how well the world of logistics has really been able to keep uh, the world running while people couldn't move. And uh, yeah, there were many things so complicated. So I think one of the experiences that people have made is in the end, it works. I think many customers are not happy about the cost of logistics right now, but that is not a factor that is going to stay. I mean, that's just because of uh, the very concrete scarceness, both in uh, air freight and sea freight right now, but, but that will e even out over time. So I don't think there's a real factor in saying, um, well, let's not source from uh, faraway countries anymore. I think what uh, many players will do is look into their sourcing. So should all my suppliers be in the same country? Uh, should it be just one or two or three suppliers for a certain good? So um, really making this supply chain more resilient by having more producers and, and uh, a wider scheme of, of partners to work with. That I would very much uh, see coming. But otherwise, I think most of the globalization is there to stay. And uh, one figure that I found really interesting is in China, there are 180 million people working for export. And uh, if you compare that to the whole workforce in the European Union, uh, that's less than 150 million people. So, and of course, not all the Chinese export people work for the European Union, sure. But um, it's just such a large quantity of people. I don't think that would be possible to... to shift that somewhere else and i mean looking now 20 or 30 years ahead of course there will be productivity gains automation gains uh, lots of things changing and then maybe uh, it will become a little bit different but i think uh, there is still very big advantages of this global world where we share production and and where we've got these opportunities to use logistics uh, to combine it. So I'm really positive that this is here to stay. That's really good. Uh, Dorothea, it was such a pleasure to have you join us in this episode of Cargo Masterminds uh, brought to you by Cargo One. Thank you, Reggie. It's been a real pleasure. That was Dorothea von Boxberg, chairperson of the executive board and chief executive officer of Lufthansa Cargo. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring Cargo Masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and come back on next Monday for a fresh episode. Have a nice day.